My name is Sean Thomas. I'm the author of Be More Today, a 40-day guide to a better version of you. As doctor of physical therapy, I've seen thousands of people do great things. They came to me with ailments, physical ailments, pain, issues, and they got through them, all because they decided in their mind they were going to do it. So I wrote a book about it. Your thoughts can make you great or they can make you crumble. Those thoughts actually control everything in your life. I have three things I want you to do. Starts. Things I want you to start doing in your life that you said you wanted to do at some point in time. You said them. Stops. Things I want you to stop doing in your life, which I know you also want to stop. And three goals for your lives. And I take you through a 40-day guide to make sure you take those thoughts for those three things into reality. Now, I put some workouts in there too. Workouts to keep you always on the move because you got to keep moving. you got to stay focused. So, 40 days. Thoughts, workouts, you. And all I want you to do is trust the process and just be persistent. Visit BeMoreTodayBook.com. That's right, BeMoreTodayBook.com. And I guarantee you, if you just trust the process and be persistent, you too can be the best version of you. why why do you want to be more today than you were yesterday you already know that you have to trust the process and just be persistent you already know that next level results require next level effort period but why is today different than any other day what's your why how are you gonna get to the next level see most of you want to make it to the promised land of success but aren't willing to make the sacrifices let me be clear. Nobody said it was gonna be easy. No handouts, no excuses. It's just you versus you. It's go time. Find your wife for the 5 a.m. wake up call. Find your wife for the extra mile you have to do after the workout. Find your wife to face that fear. Take that test. Make that move. Come on, y'all. Your whole life has been a warm up for this moment right here, today. Are you finally ready to play? You gotta decide to stay always on the move. Less talk, more action. Just be better. Just be more. Be more today. Time now for Staying Healthy, sponsored by Jag One Physical Therapy. Here's Jag One President and CEO, John Gallucci Jr. It's National Athletic Training Month. We're so excited to support our athletic trainers. I've been a practicing athletic trainer for 31 years in the tri-state area, and I'm proud to support my colleagues each and every day. New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, our athletic trainers are out on the fields, the court, the ice, protecting our children, protecting our athletes. Jag One Physical Therapy Athletic Training Services can be found at jag1pt.com that's j-a-g-o-n-e-p-t.com to keep our athletes safe and healthy certified athletic trainers are always ready to help when you or your child gets injured jag one physical therapy is the leader for rehabilitative care in new york new jersey and pennsylvania they'll help you get back to the life you love to find a location near you or learn more about their physical therapy and athletic training services visit jag1pt.com that's j-a-g-o-n-e-p-t.com
What's going on, folks? Your boy again, Dr. Sean Thomas here, back in the building with the Be More Today show. We are still in the month of March. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. It is my pleasure to be your host again for episode 116. Oh my goodness, of the Be More Today show. We're back in the building. And we've been doing so many great things in this month, my birthday month, March baby stand up. You already know it is great to see all you guys here today. And as we continue the Be More Today movement, uh, it's a movement, right? We're everywhere. Be More Today is on Amazon with my book. Uh, the podcast is everywhere now, heard in 73 countries, over 41,000 downloads. All thanks to your love and support, it does not go unnoticed. I appreciate each and every last one of you to death. The quote for today is simple as always. If you ever give 90% in training, then you will only ever give 90% when it matters. Oh my goodness, 90% when it matters. Listen, as I've been training for the Berlin Marathon, which is coming up in September, I recognize that training, the way you train is how you live your life. The way you train is how you run your races. It's very, very succinct like that. If you train well, you will run well. If you don't train well, you will not run well. And that can be applied to life. It can be applied to your practices in terms of your professions be applied to your family life and whatever else those things are very very pivotal for how we do if you only give 90 percent in training then you will only give that 90 percent when it matters so i want to encourage everyone to give 100 percent and whatever they're doing to be on the field on the court uh wherever you're doing in life whether it's in the office or somewhere else for school make sure you put in that 100 percent of work in every single day what people say is really about putting in that work to be better and as we've been highlighting the people who do great things for our athletes all across the world uh as this is athletic training month this is our second installment of our guests for this this month i gotta let you know it's been really fun learning more about the at world and i have two guests on the show today who are going to give us some insight some behind the scenes looks into managing athletic programs and the training programs that uh, our young people and older people and professional athletes and everyone is able to benefit from in this world. And my two guests on the show today are two of JAG One PT's finest. Our first guest is Stephanie Deshabo, and she is a AT who graduated from East Stroudsburg University in 2015 with a Bachelor of Science degree in athletic training and rehabilitation science. In 2018, she completed her Master's of Science degree athletic training at East Stroudsburg University as well. And she immediately followed the completion of the graduate program, working at JAG One Physical Therapy as a clinical athletic trainer. She's having filled several roles within the company. She's currently a regional manager for athletic training and integration, hoping to oversee the athletic training program in Northeast New Jersey and New York regions, as well as working with the marketing team on the integration of new and acquired clinics showcasing demonstrating success with operations and strategic uh, plan and implementation. She has specialty training and uh, focused on the realm of finance, project and business management and collaborative service integration. My goodness. She is currently pursuing her MBA at Caldwell University to further her education in the business world and hopes for the continued growth of JAG One. Our second guest on the show today is Tim Mancuso, and Tim is the ATC as well. He's the regional manager of athletic training at Jag One Physical Therapy, as well as the head athletic trainer at Somerset County Votech High School in New Jersey. Showcasing demonstrated outcomes with quality process improvement initiatives in both established and startup AT sites across the spectrum of settings, 
Tim brings 11 years of clinical experience with a manual therapy specialization and professional growth focus in the realm of leadership and business schools. Throughout his career, he has been able to provide athletic training services to multiple settings from middle school sports to professional sports. And during his career as a certified athletic trainer and NASM performance enhancement specialist, he's been able to use his knowledge to put together preventative programs, provide comprehensive treatments, and provide rehab programs to help his athletes return to their sport and compete at a high level. In addition to being a graduate of Duquesne University athletic training program, Tim also received his master's degree from Turo University Worldwide in Health Education. And Tim believes it's important to keep learning and developing new skills to provide the highest quality of care to his athletes through participating in new and advanced continuing education courses. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, please welcome to the stage my two best friends, Tim and Stephanie. Folks, what is going on? Thank, Thank you for, for the warmth. Thank you for the warm welcome, Sean. We're so happy to be here today and talk all things AT during the month of March. No problem. I appreciate you guys. And Tim, what do you want to say about that? This is a this is a great month to just bring awareness to our profession. Uh, and it's always exciting to kind of come up with new ideas to 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 put us out in the forefront. Um, that there's always things that happen throughout the year that kind of bring spotlights to athletic trainers. But this is the month where we really try to focus to just bring that spotlight to us. I appreciate you guys both. It's my birthday month and it's 18 months. So it's the best <laughs> of both worlds in my mind. And, you know, I had our guest Ryan Stevens on the show last week. He brought some phenomenal information about what AT world is like. And I wanted to bring you both on today because when we talk about managing behind the scenes of the AT program, I think a lot of us don't really know what happens behind the scenes. We see what happens on the field and on the courts and those things. But behind the scenes are things that happen that we can all benefit from to know how this thing really works for the greater scope of healthcare and for our athletes and professions. So I want to talk to you guys first about uh, the collaborative services and integration. We talk a lot about integration and collaboration and what these things mean. But what does it really mean when it comes to the AT programs for our clients, for our company, and just for the profession of athletic training. Yeah, so I'll take that one. So, you know, here with JAG1 Physical Therapy and JAG1 Athletic Training Services, our service integration collaboration involves a lot of people and a lot of parties. Um, so to start, like AT leadership, but you know, me, Tim, uh, Ryan Stevens, who spoke with last time, and also Taylor Rosillo, the VP of Integration and Development, um, are one piece of it. The other piece is our full-time, our part-time, and per diem athletic trainers, um, which currently stands at about 110 employees, which is crazy to think, um, as well as our exclusive and non-exclusive partners, or our clients, as we refer to, um, which stands at about 250 as of today. So this is a large group to collaborate with, but everyone, you know, working together is super important for the company and business as a whole. But even with that size of the program and what it's grown to, we're still ensuring that we're, you know, providing the best possible care and services to our clients each and every day. And to do that as managers, Tim and I, you know, in the last six months working together, we've really streamlined our processes and our procedures. And we've created a number of resources for both our employees and for our clients, um, specifically for employees. You know, we provided a step-by-step -step onboarding instruction process for each of the three states that we operate in, which is New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. This way, employees have a clear understanding of the expectations of being a part of this team. 
Um, we've also included, you know, we've provided them resources with guidance manuals that include like clinical care, emergency, non-emergency um, protocols that they can all follow. They have access to contact lists for our partnership sites and local schools and organizations in the area. They are provided with quick reference guides, which include site maps, emergency action plan, daily procedures, um, and more for our partnership sites. Um, you know, they need the, the access to all of these resources on a daily basis. And by having our athletic trainers have quick access to all of that really helps ensure, you know, a continuity of care for the large community that we serve. So because of the way we integrate our employees into the program, we can ensure that all of our clients will receive the same top-notch care from the athletic trainers that we have at their sites. Um, you know, as a leading provider of athletic training services in the tri-state area, we take pride in our collaboration with our employees and clients um, to hope to continue, you know, to grow, um, you know, in the future there. So that's really, we, be, you know, by providing our employees with all of those resources, we can really provide the best care to our clients, which helps build the program as a whole, which helps the company. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I, 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 I'm yeah. always baffled at how big our company is now. Um, <laughs> and most companies are, 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 are big as well, but ours in particular has grown so much in, in the mm -hmm. last couple of years that it's sometimes hard to keep up when it comes to everyone being on the same page for education, for uh, wellness, for even yeah. the improvement of our services. You know, sometimes yeah. it can be hard to disseminate information to everyone so that mm -hmm. the quality of care continues as we get, get bigger. But Jaguar's a great job of doing that. I think that, but like you said, the boundaries that you put out there for the uh, education for everyone has been that one thing that has made our quality of care soar as we continue to grow. So I like the collaboration. I think that most companies should be doing the same kind of thing. And I, can, I can honestly say, I don't see as many people doing what we're doing um, mm -hmm. collectively for our didactics like we're doing here at Jag One. It's one of the things that really makes me proud of the things that we're doing here for our company. And, you know, Tim, I'm curious for you, as, as you've been doing a lot of things with us as well, anything else you want to share to what she just mentioned about the- Well, because I, I just came on with Jag One about six months ago, um, working with Ryan Stevens, the big factor that, uh, that when we came into uh, Jag One Physical Therapy, we wanted to adapt that uh, and adopt that family mentality that Jag One uh, talks about all the time. Uh, so to create a family with not only full-time and per diems, we have to include each other versus just with, sometimes with per diems, they're kind of on an island. They just pick up shifts and they go take care of whatever they take care of. Um, but with us, we want them to be included in our celebration chats, uh, uh, highlighting different athletic trainers, not only our full-times, but our per diems, uh, welcoming them to all of our educations. If they're a part of our active teams, we, we do uh, in-house educations where we highlight one of our athletic trainers that are part of our team that they'll be teaching on something. So it is that a collaboration. We want them to feel part of the team. We don't want them to just go through the motions. We want us to be all inclusive so that we, if somebody has some, like an issue to bring up, there's another uh, chat that we bring into where, hey, has anybody come across this? What's your, what's your opinion on it? What have you seen? What are you having to see? So it allows us all to come together and allows us all to talk about things and all uh, allows us all to get closer together. I love it. You know, as, as my new role 
as director of community engagement and inclusion for this company, I really appreciate all of the community that are built around the different didactics, whether it's ATs or PTs or OTs. There's a certain special unit that comes with every single didactic. And being able, like you said, to showcase those things, whether it's birthdays or protocols, you know, that community aspect makes everyone work a little better. And I've always been able to see when people come together, whether they're bonding, whether it's work-related or other, after that happens, they're just better what they want to do at treating their patients or their clients, just being happier at work. So you both are doing a great job of doing those things. And, you know, I'm curious, Steph, as we talk more about the the fiscal part of this, you mentioned per diems and, and you mentioned per diems, you know, for, for us as clinicians, it's always interesting to see the new grads and the more seasoned grads and how invested they are in terms of how the actual thing works. We talk about the finances and the fiscal part of it and how uh, programs are paid for and how, you know, salaries are, are distributed and those things. How important do you think, I know you're, you're talking about going to business school and finishing that for your, your career. Um, how important is it for us as clinicians, especially ATs, to know about the fiscal component of the business or the, or the business part of this thing when it comes to finances? And, and, and I'm curious why you're even uh, pursuing your MBA yeah. right now and how that's going to further enhance your job as an AT. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, as you mentioned in my bio, um, I started, I am a certified athletic trainer by trade, but I quickly grew into a role. Um, in the admin, administrative side of things with Taylor Rosillo. And from there, you know, you see little bits of how each department works in this company and how we all come together as one. So that's why I said, you know what, let's go back, get a little bit of a business um, insight into how, how this company works. So that's why I'm back there now. And I am learning a lot and it's really helped tying things together. So, I mean, yeah, as an athletic trainer, we're, you know, we're educated on how to recognize and evaluate injuries and provide emergency care and develop rehab programs and follow them out. Um, but it is important for athletic trainers to understand the business side of things um, to include, like you said, the fiscal, um, the operational side. It's all very important. I mean, we need to advocate for our profession and the profession is growing each and every day. So I want them to understand, you know, there's a top-notch dollar for what we're, we're charging and what we want to pay you guys. And it's important for them to know where, where all that falls. But I think on the business side of things, it's really important for athletic trainers to understand relationships and how important um, they are. So as much as the operational and fiscal, fiscal side of things is important into running the business, I think athletic trainers need to understand how much, how important relationships are. You know, as a treating athletic trainer, you need a supervising physician in New York, New Jersey, and, and Pennsylvania that can provide you with your plan of care or written protocol. So that really sets the tone of your scope of practice as an athletic trainer. We work under, you know, the profession, uh, the physician standing orders. So just as you're building that relationship with a physician in your own school or the setting that you work at, um, you know, that again, helps the continuity of care between the athlete, between you and the physician. But those relationships really carry over into the business side. Um, you know, as a program here, we would be nothing without our relationships. Um, you know, they might not realize that that is a business part of it, too. You know, working for an athletic training program, the way we grow and the way we expand our reach to the communities and different settings is all through relationship building. So honestly, as minor as it might seem, even through my the schooling and the you know business program I'm in and working alongside these great professionals in this company, I realize that's one of the biggest pieces of business right now. Um, because then with those relationships, they learn to trust you and they 
you know, they learn to, oh, you know, some people are hesitant about paying a certain dollar amount now. We, like I said, we need to advocate for this profession, but if they trust us and we build that relationship and they know what we have to offer is the best that there is, there's no more question. Um, so athletic trainers do need to understand that we are doing that for them, you know, each day. But I think that's a really important piece that you don't always tie into business, but super important on each side. Yeah. So what, just a quick question. Why do you think yeah. there is this need for healthcare professionals in multiple didactics to have to prove that we're worth <laughs> money that we're asking people to pay us for? What is this? Like, where's this come from? Because I've spoken to a number of people and not not clinicians, but patients yeah. who they may or may not know what PTs do, OTs do, ATs do, et cetera, chiropractors, the, the bigger picture, right? And they'll always ask if they can just do it on their own. Go on YouTube, go on wherever else and try to figure out. Clearly they can't because they're not getting better. So they have to come to us, right? Whether on the field or what have you. But there's still a sense of not really thinking that what we're doing is worth the financial compensation that it takes to get that thing done. Where does that come from? I know, like, yeah. it's just like the business question too. I mean, most people see the tip of the iceberg, you know, they just see, you need an athletic trainer for your ankle taping. That might be the only time someone sees you as an athletic trainer. They go in for five minutes, get their ankle taped. They're never hurt again. Personally, that was me. I didn't really know what went on um, within the athletic training room or anything behind the scenes for that matter. Um, so I just, you know, people are learning more and more about our profession specifically, and they are learning, like, like Tim mentioned earlier, we are in the spotlight, you know, here and there, you know, as professionals. And as that happens, people realize what we do more and more. So I think it's because they're only seeing the tip of the iceberg, whether that be us running out on the field to do a quick evaluation or us taping their child's ankle or something like that, that they're not realizing how much more we're, we're trained in just as, you know, physical therapists and occupational therapists, not everyone needs to use our services. So they only see the tip of the iceberg. Um, and hopefully we're getting, we're getting under the surface a little more. So they, they really know what we're capable of doing and why we are worth, like you said, the price. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a hard question to really fully yeah. answer because you always have to, I feel like you always have to advocate for yourself regardless if there's awareness or not, because you always want to just profess your profession. Um, but as athletic trainers, you have to think of, we are there at all aspects of healthcare. We are there for the acute stage. We're there for chronic stage. We're there for the emergency medicine. We're there for the rehab. We're there for uh, afterward for relationships. So in a lot of the sense, Athletic trainers are the bridge to all other aspects of healthcare, and as Stephanie talked about, relationships, relationship with parents, relationships with the helping parents get into the different healthcare's of PT or the ortho, uh, cultivating those relationships. So we are part of all different aspects of healthcare, but people don't see that because we're doing it all behind the scenes. Uh, so that that was a, that that's a big aspect there of why we want to advocate for it because we you don't realize how many different factors athletic trainers are involved in. Yeah, that, that's a good point. You know, we had a Super Bowl that happened last month and um, a number of people who either watch regularly or don't watch at all always watch these big things, right? Super Bowl, NBA Finals, whatever, hockey, whatever else. And people who may not be the biggest sports enthusiasts when they see people get hurt, they'll see people just walk out on the field, right? A number of people go on the field and it's like a whole team that goes out. 
And if you don't know, like we kind of know who's going out there, but if you don't know, you see a thousand people go on the field to take care of somebody. So I'm curious if you guys can explain, because you both work in various um, departments when it comes to the AT world, when everyone goes out there to go see someone, whether it's an athlete who's hurt um, or something like that, how does it get decided who is doing what, right? Because there are a number of people on the field with all kinds of specialties and there has to be some kind of a hierarchy, not a hierarchy, but some kind of an order for how things are gonna be carried out to take care of this one patient at this one time. So I'm just curious if someone can explain to us and to the audience how that works because to the viewer, maybe looking on TV or whatever else, they may see everyone being the same and they might not really know, well, who's the AT and who's the MD and who's the PT and you know, to them it's just a bunch of people wearing the same kind of shirt going out there and helping somebody. Um, but maybe, you know, at a high school event, it might be a little different than at a professional like NFL event. So can you guys shed some light just for the listeners to know, you know, where the AT stand in, in those situations to have a better idea of what we really do? Yeah. And that all goes uh, into discussion before the event even happens. It, 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 it isn't a decision that's made at the day of the event. Okay. We, you have to talk about it beforehand. That's why you have emergency action plans and protocols for whenever an injury does happen. Uh, in my experience, most of the time, when you have a team position on sideline, let's talk about a football game. Most of the times, the athletic trainer will run out. If the team physician is needed, the athletic trainer will call them over. That's along, that's along the same lines with if there's EMT on standby. The athletic trainer is normally the first person on the field evaluating the injury, determining what the next step would be. Uh, and then there is either a handoff to the, the, the next healthcare professional, or if it's a serious thing and the athletic trainer needs to dictate what's going on within that, they're, they're, in, they're in charge until it is officially handed off and put into the potentially the rig for the EMTs, so on and so forth there. But it doesn't happen at the spur of the moment. You have to discuss it. You have to practice that's why even with the coaches uh, uh, um, part, part in all of it, you practice your emergency action plan. So if something happens, this is this is your role. This, this is my role. That I, this if, if this situation happens, you, you're going to go do this. You're going to go do this so that we make sure it's more of a systematic approach instead of a reactive approach. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think it's, it's hard for the commoner right who's just watching and you, you see a bunch of people go on onto either a field or whatever else to differentiate who's doing what but like in any other field right there has to be a community where people know what their role is to get these things done whether it's at or anything else even talking about like whole foods right people at whole foods there's a certain level of order that's happening at whole foods you know your role you're at the cashier you're in the back you're going to stock this thing so i'm glad it's, it's the same premise and i think that that teamwork is necessary, especially in situations where it can be life or death, like the NFL player who almost lost his life, right? That's a life or death situation. So knowing who has to do what role in those things is imperative. It's imperative. Anything you want to share about that stuff or no? Yeah, I mean, exactly what Tim said. Everything is pre-planned. We're big planners um, in this profession. Funny to say, because we usually work in situations that are not planned, you know, we're trained to work in an emergency situation, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. But with all of the training we have in, you know, creating and implementing emergency action plans or EAPs, you might see them as, you know, we're ready for any situation. And if we're not 
there, like Tim said, you know, the school or this organization, they're ready for a situation without us on site. Like, what do you do when the athletic trainer is not there? So, you know, everything is pre-planned for the most part. Um, and, you know, we're, we're here to help others plan as well. So even when we're not on site or EMTs not on site, we want everyone to feel as prepared as they can be for a situation. Yeah. So how does that work in situations where, you know, maybe the MD is not there or the EMT is not there or whoever else, how does that work in terms of what ATs can and cannot do? And does that vary by state as in New York versus New Jersey or Pennsylvania? Or is it the same as a national wide? Um, no, it does uh, vary per state because each state has their own practice act. And based off of the practice act, that kind of allows that healthcare professional to uh, treat or, or work in those parameters. I, I will say in terms of New Jersey, uh, it, I believe that our practice act has been changed multiple and multiple times. And they're really trying to always trying to massage it so that we can do more that is still under our full scope of practice and all of our uh, KD education programs. Um, in terms of New York, uh, it, it, it does seem like they're trying to change the practice act, but there's been some holdups and that's part of the, uh, that, that may be one reason why New York hasn't exploded as much in the athletic training profession. Uh, I also think that New York, some of the schools in New York don't require athletic trainers as much, so they don't know fully what athletic trainers are and the importance of them being around. I do believe that it is becoming a little more in the forefront because like you talked about, in the highest stage of, of sports in the NFL, they saw a serious injury and they highlighted the athletic trainer that put the emergency action plan into, into effect. Uh, and he even got an MVP vote. That's pretty awesome. Uh, but so that kind of differs in terms of the states. But if you don't have your team physician there, if you don't have uh, uh, EMTs there, the athletic trainer is that lead healthcare professionals. But that's why you have the support staff of your athletic directors, your support staff of your coaches. So you already go through if we don't have these parameters the I, I'm going to be where the most serious uh, issue is going on. And here's your roles based off of what's going on. So it is once again, a pre-planned event for an unplanned event, uh, <laughs> which, it, which is an oxymoron a little bit, but that's what we're doing. Uh, but you just utilize what's there for you. But in the terms of sports, athletic trainers can do everything because, because you are trained in the emergency medicine. You are trained in the evaluation, uh, the determination of whether they can continue to play, whether they cannot continue to play. Different protocols are in the forefront of concussion. It, it, it was funny. I'll, I'll, I'll circle back around with the NFL injury. My friends were texting me. What just happened? Did you, do you know what's going on? And because of my education from Duquesne University and how much my teacher talked about commodio cordis, I kind of guessed that that was what happened. Mm. It is severely rare in terms of NFL, but it's more seen in baseball and projectile sports. Right. But I kind of viewed it as that. So the education that we have is so encompassing that it's, it's pretty nice that people just reach out and ask questions because of your education. 
Yeah. yeah. And I was going to build on that too. I know you asked like what we can do with and without other professionals on site. But like I mentioned earlier, we just work under the supervising physicians um, standing orders. So they don't need to be on site when we're treating. So as Tim said, we can, you know, do a variety of things, even when our supervising physician isn't in the vicinity, but they sign those orders for us. So we're able to do that in, you know, in the state we practice in. I love that. I love the growth. I love the growth. Yeah. I had a patient even come to me yesterday and say, you guys don't have a doctor on site. I'm like, no, we don't need a doctor on site. That's why you have doctors of physical therapy. We're here because we can treat without having to have that person on site. So I love the fact that professions are growing beyond the typical MD realm. And I think a lot of our patients and people in general still have this very insular idea of what healthcare is. And it all starts with the MD and that's really it. No, there are so many other didactics that make up the bigger picture of healthcare. And yes, we are all trained to do our individual things well. And there's no need for us to have an MD on site for most of these things because we are, like you said, Tim, educated in those realms. I'm curious now, you know, I, I as someone who is from New York and didn't really have an athletic trainer at most of my athletic things until I got to probably high school. Um, maybe that was a New York thing. I'm, I'm looking at back on it now. Why, why is that in terms of the importance of athletic training not being so enforced or I guess supported either uh, by the state, by the city, whatever, um, in New York compared to New Jersey and other places? Why is that a thing? Yeah, so I would say athletic trainers are absolutely supported in New York. I mean, every state um, has their own professional organization in New York. It's the New York, New York State Athletic Trainers Association, or NYSATA for short. Um, they're very much supported, but New York is actually one of the very few states that only requires cert a certificate um, versus a licensure. So in the majority of our states, um, the most regulated form of athletic training is with a licensure. So Pennsylvania and New Jersey do require a licensure. But New York, it still only requires a certificate. Um, so what that means is that, I mean, individuals can technically perform similar duties um, of an athletic trainer, but they cannot use the title of athletic trainer. Um, but because of that, I think, you know, some people kind of slip other people in to perform similar duties when, you know, athletic trainers aren't required on site. Um, you know, you still have to, you know, athletic trainers in New York still need to complete a bachelor's or master's degree in athletic training and pass the national board of certification. Um, but be, unfortunately, I think because New York is a little less regulated right below that licensure line, um, athletic trainers aren't required as much or employed as frequently throughout schools um, and organizations. We have seen a great increase in that, especially in recent years. Um, but I think that's why, like you said, you know, even when you were growing up, they weren't as prevalent. You didn't see them as on as many sidelines or at your school. And I think that could be one of those reasons why. So, you know, they are not as progressive as New Jersey or Pennsylvania right now, but I know they're working towards that. Interesting. I did not know that. Do you think mm -hmm. that that has any negative effect on the high school slash college, even middle school um, athletic programs for the, the, the people young and old who are doing athletics and maybe getting injured on the side, but might not be having the access to the protocols and knowledge base that you guys have shared. Is that something that can be detrimental, you think, in New York compared to other places? Detrimental, I probably wouldn't go that far, but the impact of the athletic trainer can be in multifacets even before an injury happens. 
because I'll give you an example for this year, uh, being at Somerset County Boat Tech. Uh, last year, we had a lot of soft tissue injuries that I really, I, I really wanted to kind of dive into and kind of uh, try to attack it before they happened again this year. So what did I do? I redeveloped their dynamic warmups for each team. And this year we've progressed where we don't have those uh, ticky-tack uh, musculoskeletal uh, and soft tissue injuries because they're warming up, because they have the proper range of motion, because they're doing the proper stretching programs. So in that realm, yes, if the athletic trainer is not there evaluating something, it could be solving an issue that didn't need to happen. Uh, so that in that respect, I think that is more forefront there because you can have your EMTs on site for the emergency medicine uh, and, and, and just in case. But in the all encompassing effect, yes, the athletic trainer plays so many different roles within the sports atmosphere that, yes, I think that it, it does hurt the program if they're not there helping develop it further. You're talking more about like prevention then. Yeah, that, it, because we, like I said, we're in all aspects of, of the sport and healthcare. That if we had the ability to prevent an injury by changing something up, the athletic trainer has done the training to do that, and and that's why we do our continuing education. That's why uh, uh, our our uh, senior director Ryan Stevens is going to be talking about dynamic warm up at Sleepy Hollow High School just uh, in a few weeks. Gotcha. I gotcha. So yeah, so I guess I'm, I'm going back to my me and my high school moments right now, right? Um, when I was in high school, right, and actually I didn't go to high school in New York, I went to high school in Connecticut, so this is kind of off off skelter. But just looking at my brothers who went to high school in New York, a lot of the, the teaching that they got were from their coaches, right? Their coaches were the ones who showed them everything. They showed them drills. Uh, they didn't really have a weight coach, or their coach showed them how to do stuff in the weight room. The coach did everything, everything for them. And it's funny looking back at how much those coaches did because it wasn't really a team. There was probably like one or two people um, looking over all the various athletes on whatever team, football, basketball, baseball, et cetera. That one coach was the, the, the teacher for all those different things. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the progression from that, which was probably in the, the uh, 90s, early 90s, to now where I look at schools and there's a, there's a real team of people, right? We're from coaches to ATs to other people who are now giving knowledge. And like you said, Ryan also showing someone how to do dynamic warm up. No, no one ever came to our school and showed us how to do that besides our, our coach. So it seems to me that this is definitely growing and that the athletic training world is expanding beyond the typical walls of what the world thinks AT should be doing. But now you're going into schools, hospital settings and, and showing people how to do things on a prevention aspect and also when things do happen. So I'm happy to see that. That makes me very, very excited for my daughter who will hopefully be able to benefit from these sessions as well with you guys one day. She's eight, but she has time to grow into that thing. So um makes me happy. But hopefully just prevention. Yeah, hopefully prevention, yes, prevention. and strength. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Right. We, we do have athletic trainers in middle school, so she's right around we the do. corner. We I love do. that. I love that. Yeah. Listen, I, I had a question because we talked about relationships earlier in the conversation and relationships I think are integral for all aspects of healthcare, right? Uh, who, you know, um, can definitely either spear you forward or can actually sometimes even hold you back from, from growth. But I think when it comes to relationship there's also a sense of leadership that comes with that. And I don't think in my own opinion that everyone has a mindset of 
relationship because there's also not a mindset of being a leader. I think it takes a little bit of time and effort to cultivate relationships. And sometimes that goes beyond the regular nine to five, right? It sometimes is a little more you have to put into relationships either with your, your, your athletes or with the parents or the MDs or the community, the school, whoever else. That sometimes goes beyond the regular requirements, some would say, of what anyone should do, whether it's AT or PT or OT, whoever else. So I'm curious for both of you, as you both are now leaders in the AT program and you're, 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 you're teaching others, both young and old, new and, and seasoned, how to make sure that we cultivate relationships. When it comes to leadership, and Ryan and I talked about this a little bit last week, but I wanted to expound on it with, with you two. Every clinician, and I think every AT, has that same drive to go out there and be great and do those things and share that knowledge with others. But not everyone has that same knack to say, you know what, I want to go above and beyond my, my regular time to do that, to be a leader. How do you foster that spirit of relationship and leadership, especially because there are so many offices, there are so many ATs, we're so sometimes... Uh, insular and so far from each other across the various states, right? How do you foster that relationship and leadership uh, spirit to all the clinicians so that we can continue to make everyone get back to the life that they really tr truly do love? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, and just a point to make too, like, yeah, being a manager is not the same as being a leader in everyone's mind. And um, we make a point to call ourselves the AT leadership team. We're not the manager team, managerial team, you know, we are managers by trade right now, but we're the leadership team. Um, and personally, to answer that question, I've only stepped into a leader role recently into the last six months. Um, so I have my own personal and professional goals this year to, you know, take more courses in communication or leadership, um, more public speaking, things of that nature. And again, to cultivate the relationship with my employees and my clients and my colleagues. Um, the way that we have learned to cultivate more relationships here, which I'm sure Tim will speak on more of too, kind of adopted from Tim and Ryan is to create small groups. So we have about 20 full-time athletic trainers out at different sites. Um, these sites are all the way out in Pennsylvania, through New Jersey, all the way up to New York. As you said, a large company, we don't always see each other. How do we have this large company, you know, keep a really strong relationship? So as a leader, we lead small groups. Um, and each small group has their own goals throughout the year. They focus on different things. I mean, some are out in the communities with health initiatives. Some are working on concussion protocols. Some are fun, like our fanny pack fun squad. They work on initiatives to get together as a team um, to enjoy life a little bit outside of work. So as a leadership team ourselves, we've and, you know, we started to incorporate these small groups because me and Tim, as lead, you know, we're learning more to be leaders and leading those small groups. We each have multiple groups that we oversee, um, but it's also building the relationship between us and our team, the team and the rest of the team, and then our team with the community and the company. So I found that really, um, honestly, special and helpful um, to have our own little groups to focus on throughout the year. Yeah, and to just build off of that in terms of the small groups, in that realm, you get to see who wants to take initiative on some of those projects within that group. So that allows you to kind of get the sense of who wants to kind of be more of a leader there and potentially grow within a, a potentially in a, new, a new position within the company. But 
it also, uh, me personally, I, I'm a big uh, uh, reader in self-development and uh, people skills. And But like everybody has their personality profile. Okay. So if you're able to create a relationship with them, learn their personality profile, you're able to kind of speak more into their language, which then allows you to get more out of them. So that, that's why you want to build that relationship there so that you can learn about them so that you can create that environment for them wanting to do more. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't happen all the time, but there's little niches where people are almost an expert at, and we see that within our team. So we utilize them and highlight them within those areas so that we say, if, if, you, have, if you have a question about this, you need to go to this athletic trainer. It's not always us as the leadership team. It's a part of our whole team. It's like, I know, and I'll highlight one of our athletic trainers because I do it all the time every year. It's uh, whenever there's anything wrestling related, you need to go talk to Sean Doyle. He, he is the wrestling guru. He, lo he loves wrestling so much. So I tell everybody, if you have a question, go ask Sean. Uh, so th that's where we highlight there. But we it, also, every year we do our own in-house education workshop which this allows all of our team members to come up with a topic, to present on a topic, which kind of kind of gets them out of their comfort zone if they, if they don't really speak in different events. So it allows them to be in a safe environment to grow within that as well. So that is why we're cultivating uh, leaders in different ways. And our newest initiative that's going to be coming out within the athletic training month is our mentorship uh, program where it's going to be for new and ongoing ATs uh, in, within our team because we want to f uh, hear about difficulties as a new AT. How can we help you grow? How can we help you create your uh, your own self image there? So there's a we want to create that atmosphere that everybody can grow and pursue the every aspect they want to pursue. I love that. I love the growth. I love the community. I love the small groups. Those are the things I think that build community. Um, I think a lot of people have a hard time building community, especially coming out of COVID-19 and whatever else you have to go through. It's just hard bringing people back to say, you know what, let's, let's grow, let's build, let's connect. So it sounds like you guys are doing the right thing and doing it successfully. So I, I'm happy to hear that. And I'm curious, now that you're doing all these things for in-house and you guys are connected with, with your staff. And I love the leadership that everyone is a leader. I think that that's a big component I took away just now that it's not managerial, we're all leaders. So that that's big. Um, but I'm, I'm curious what the future looks like for us, JAG1, the AT program, we're now moving forward in so many places. What does the future look like for us in the communities that we serve, whether it's New York, Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, how's that look for us moving forward? What are the, what are the big things that are be coming up um, for us to continue to connect with our communities. Yeah, so as we've talked about, you know, athletic trainers are growing more and more in dynamic and diverse roles um, now more than ever, especially at JAG1. So with that, you know, us as a program and a team, we're aiming to offer more services to the community, you know, outside of just athletic training coverage. We want to help more with community health initiatives. We want to be the ones to help establish procedures that can be used in emergent and non-emergent situations at partnership sites that do or don't have an athletic trainer on site full-time. We also want to keep developing, you know, new partnerships and relationships outside of that non-traditional setting 
such as occupational health, industrial, and like the tactical athletes. So that's where I see us going. Um, we are building our team each and every day. And like Tim said, we see the leaders within our team and we see where they want to go. And we want to really, you know, tap, you know, grab that, you know, specialty that they hone on, hone in on and use that to our advantage for the company um, as a team as a whole. Yeah. And, and it, it's all about bringing awareness. Uh, it, it, it's all about how can we grow our profession uh, and I know I'll be doing a, a career day within our community, uh, talking about athletic training this month. Uh, we're also reaching out to different athletic training programs to create new relationships so that we can foster and kind of build an even bigger family within athletic training so that we can help each other and collaborate in different programs as well. We also, uh, in our schools, we, we have a protocol and, uh, uh, and have established athletic training clubs in certain schools so that we're at any interest in terms of students in the community, they're getting experience of what the athletic trainer does, helping them, they get the CPR certified so that they're doing first aid. So certain aspects like that, that allows us to grow the community that allows us to kind of get better relationships because it all comes down to relationships. It always does. It's the network you have. It's the sphere of influence you have, and it's all based off the, the foundation of the relationships you have. That's true. That's true. Listen, I'm, I'm happy and excited to hear all those different things. And I'm just curious, what advice you would share with uh, anyone who's aspiring? Now they heard this show, they're getting excited about what you do and they want to join. They want to be an AT. They want to figure out how they can get into that thing. What's the advice you want to share with anyone who's aspiring to be an athletic trainer or any new ATs in the field that may uh, be looking at this and saying, you know what, I want to be just as good, whether they're with us, Jag One, or they're outside of the Jag One uh, balloon, but they want to be as great as, as you two have, have been for, for your communities. What advice can you share with those listeners right now? Yeah, I would... I would tell aspiring ATs or especially the new ATs in the field to not be afraid to use the resources around them. Um, in the athletic training world, so many times you can enter a job where you're the head athletic trainer and you're the only one there. You know, you're not directly working alongside another healthcare professional on a daily basis. Um, so I want ATs to know that there's always a support system around them, whether that's the administrators at the school that they work at, you know, the leadership team of a healthcare company such as JAG1 or, you know, support from state and national associations around them. You know, you really hit the ground running in a profession like this. You know, you go through your clinicals and then sometimes you just end up at a school by yourself and you're like, wait, there's no one, there's no one looking over me anymore. But I want athletic trainers to know that they're never alone and there's always support around them, even if, you know, they're not directly beside them each, each day. Yeah, there, there's so many different outlets for athletic trainers, depending on what state they're in, to, to reach out to uh, other athletic trainers, to reach out to within their division, which that you can reach out to other schools. Uh, but once again, it always comes back down to relationship. But uh, I would say uh, a big thing to tell uh, young, expiring uh, ATs or even people that are looking to go in the profession, what, what you said in my bio, don't stop learning. Because it, it, if you stop learning, you become stagnant and you actually start going backward. You, you always want to learn. You always want to see what's new out there. Obviously, you're going to hone certain skills that you that you see work that have been tried and true. But there's different areas where you can grow. In. So don't limit yourself. Keep growing. I love it. 
Last question, folks, as I've had 116 guests on the show in the last four years, there's one question I ask every single person on the show, and that is very, very simple. When you hear the phrase, be more today, what does that phrase mean to you? Let's start with Stephanie first. Yeah. Yeah. So when I hear that phrase, I think of stepping outside of your comfort zone. That's the first thing I think of, you know, in my own personal and professional life. I feel like I don't see growth in myself. Um, Things aren't as exciting until you step out of your comfort zone. So for me, that is absolutely being more today and every day. (laughs) That's great. And be more for me is I, I, I kind of attack each day of is who can I impact today or how can I be an impact today? Cause that is, that is a huge factor within the athletic training because you don't know who's walking to your office that has a uh, potential just wants to talk about something. So how can you impact them just, uh, just by having that conversation? It has nothing to do with an athletic injury. So it's all about being an impact and, and then kind of moving up, moving from there. Yeah. Big time statements by both of you. Listen, this show has been great. I appreciate both of you making the time for the second installment of our AT Month Appreciation. And thank you, Stephanie and Tim, just for giving us your insights about the programs. I'm looking forward to continuing this, uh, this series going into next week. So thank you so much for your time and happy AT Month. Thank you, Thank Sean. you very much. No problem, folks. And listen, don't forget all the words they talked about. Uh, ATs are fun. They do so many things that are going to be on the, the service level that uh, we had no idea until today, right? Prevention and wellness, looking at the communities, working with the MDs and the EMTs, doing so many things to educate the future athletes and the current athletes of our world. They are doing phenomenal work. So appreciate them. This is their month. Appreciate all the work they do. And if you want to get into that AT realm, you can always uh, contact me directly or just follow us at JAG1PT. We have an amazing AT program, as you already heard. Our quote for today, don't forget it. If you only ever give 90% in training, then you will only ever give 90% when it matters. They both shared about their passion for leadership and give back to the community. And they're giving 100% every single day to make sure that we, as uh, receivers of their services, can be better on the field. So go out there. Give your 100% this week, whatever it is, to your, your craft, your, your sport, uh, your, your book writing, your book reading, your MBA program, whatever it's going to be, give 100% to that thing. And you too will be great and will be more today. As always, follow us on all of our social media platforms. Be more today. And of course, Jag One PT. If you're looking for a PT in any of the, uh, uh, the boroughs, uh, Tri-State area, we are out there. We are number one, folks. You already know. Jaguar and PT, we're the ones who will get you back to the life that you love. And I always say, I'll see you next week. Continue to take your steps to greatness to be the best version of you. Happy 18 months.